Hello. Hello. How are you there? I, you know, I, I, I came in the first time and a very robotic voice said, um, let's see if I can do this. Recording in progress. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I yeah. Well, Try it again. That's how I've been. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was doing. That's what I'm doing now. So that's how I say it. <laughs> Recording in progress. Is that is that better? Did I do it right? Pretty, the pretty, second time. Pretty close. Pretty pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. Uh, how are you? We we've not talked in a couple of weeks. Uh, bon dia. Bonjour. Obrigado. Obrigado. <laughs> uh, Cap Caprina. Cap <laughs> Good. Chuascaria. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Did you get a lot of fresh juice? I remember my uh, time in Brazil, a lot of juice. I, Ben, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not a, I'm not a big juice drinker. I will, uh, I will occasionally have a, a glass of uh, a cranberry juice, um, but I'm not a, I'm not a juice person. I did, I did have uh, cafe con leche or, or oh. something like that uh, quite a bit. And that was good. Oh, and I discovered my new favorite thing at the breaks. They had coffee and hot chocolate. And I would, uh, instead oh. of putting milk in my coffee, I would put, I would mix 50, 50 coffee, hot chocolate. That's a, that's a good drink, Ben. That's a, like, yeah. like an instant mocha. You've, you, yeah. You, yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I have a new, I have a new coffee drink that I like now too. I, I have mm. the, for, um, for a long time, I have really really gone towards the world of flat whites have we, i don't know oh if yes about um, yeah. I, oh i yeah i'm i'm all in on that's my go-to starbucks drink when i'm gonna pay for a fancy drink is, yeah. is flat white yeah yeah it, it's so so i discovered something that is not a flat white but is really really a nice uh um espresso drink that uh that's got a, a real pick-me-up which is an espresso macchiato and mm, yes, and, yes. And we're not talking we're, none of none of the the fancy bougie caramel macchiato, which is really no, just no. a latte with caramel. Yeah. That, yep, yep. That, yeah. No. No. This is this is a two this is a two shot and just a a dot of of foam uh, coffee drink and uh, and I like it. It's uh, it, it's my new go to. I, I like and it a lot. You, do you know what macchiato means? I believe, so I looked this up some somewhere mm -hmm. yesterday. So dirt it, or something, well, right? Or no, it's dot. it's it, it's, it's yeah. Italian for marked. So marked. basically, that's yeah, it. yeah. You you mark you mark the the top of the thing. Uh, yeah. You know the, the the you make a little picture. Uh, yeah, and, but it's just a, a marked uh, marked espresso. So yeah, it, it, yeah, just with a little bit of milk. Like I like right, I like the espresso, right. yep. Yep. but just a just a dot of it. Um, mm -hmm. This uh, according to a Nescafe, uh, which is where I get all of my uh, my coffee um, related uh, uh, definitions. In Italian, the term macchiato translates as marked, as you mentioned, or stained. Mm -hmm. Stained mm -hmm. meaning a stained or marked coffee. The macchiato is an espresso coffee drink topped with a small amount of foamed or steamed milk to allow the taste of espresso to still shine through. And that is, in fact, what Nescafe nailed it. That's why I like it so much. The The lattes are, are you know, sometimes just a little too watered down. It's a mm. little too milky for me. Mm. But I, I like yeah. I, I like where you're going with the with with the mocha kind of vibe of uh, a little bit of or a hot chocolate and a little bit of a really good coffee that's good that's that's yeah. that's nice yeah i have well, anyway i've been i've been in brazil 
Yes, but you've been in Brazil. Nice. We should mention that. Yeah. <laughs> if you couldn't figure out from the context. Uh, um, and I, I received a bunch of pictures of you in Brazil from you. Not from, not from me. Did you? I think you, were they from you me? sent me one. Okay. I think, yeah, you think okay. you sent me one. Um, with yes, uh, I will I will describe this for you right now. Um, it oh, is the, the behind you is a screen and it says "Risky or Not," oh. which is our other podcast. Oh, yes. yes, and then there are uh, about fifteen people, and and you have I I, I love this picture because I'm going to resend this to you. This might be show art because there, there's a lot there's a lot going on with this. Don't um, confuse people because it's it's about it's for the other show. <laughs> it's for the other show. It's okay. It's okay. So okay. so I don't know how you, did you do this on purpose that everybody kind of framed with their heads the bottom of the risky or not slide. I, like looks, I did not. I I was in the photo, so I did yes. not take the photo. Um, but no, the photographer. I think I. I I sort of, I think I sort of was responsible part, partly for architecting this uh, by saying, hey, we should stand in front of the Risky or Not logo. And, but the problem was we had to, it was a projector from the ceiling. And if we all were to back up a little bit, like we would have all the, like the bright light in our faces. But uh, yeah, so, but it, it turned out pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's hilarious because there's a lot of people on the right side of the, of, of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. That um, was kind of, that was kind of funny the way it, it went, but it's, and they're all, but it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And they're all far, as far away from you as possible. You're, you're on the far <laughs> left and everybody's on the far right. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, Marie, um, Marisa, Marisa is next to me. Marisa, Marisa is, is, uh, is, is yeah. one of the faculty from USP. So, yep. And then there's uh, in the front center of the photo, uh, you see Bernadette. Uh, yeah. who is sort of the, the godmother of uh, Brazilian food safety. We have our, our friend and colleague, Michelle Daniluk. Uh In between Michelle and uh, Bernadette is uh, Wellington Pinto, who's a relatively new faculty member there. Uh, and then kind of hiding way, oh, what, way, way in the back is Slavi, um, who is now a professor. And then slightly in front of Slavi is Joseph Brani, noted uh, predictive microbiologist and oh, mathematician. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Excellent. Um, it it also the reason why I looked like why I really thought this was a funny picture is it looks like that Bernadette and Michelle are the hosts of Risky or Not because they're the only two that are sitting, <laughs> and then all of their fans are behind them. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd be I'd be a fan of a show of I would, uh, Bernadette I, and Michelle. Yeah, I'd listen to that for sure. Um, yeah, no. So um, anyway, well, I'm I'm really excited uh, that you had a good time in in Brazil. I was not in Brazil. Um, I, uh, while you were in Brazil, I traveled too. I went to, um, uh, Washington DC, the district of Columbia, um, to, to attend a meeting that had nothing to do with food safety. And then I went to Charleston, South Carolina, where I also did no food safety related things other than just in my off time. Cause it was, uh, for, for hockey, but I did go to Port Huron, Michigan last week to, uh, mm. Yeah, which is not um, – it, it is very close to Canada, um, mm. is not very close to Detroit, or, oh, okay. or or as some Canadians might say it, Detroit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but I, I taught a, a class, my, my favorite class that you've attended, the um, retail variances, HACCP plans, specialized processes, 
where we ferment yogurt and and uh, um, uh, do some acidification, and we, and we teach uh, local and state health departments um, uh, the science and uh, and how, how uh, restaurant operators uh, have to kind of follow rules. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I I I don't do we're not doing as many of those uh, as as we used to, and I'm not going to all of them, but every time I go out, I really, really like it. So um, yeah, so it was, uh, uh, but that, that's where I was when you were in, in lovely Brazil. Well, there you go. What? So I was just, I was just thinking, um, I was thinking about this song the other day, um, but uh, it, it, does, it's, and it doesn't have anything to do with Port Huron, uh, but I thought it might. Um, you know, uh, did we talk about this before? The, no, we talked about the, the big, the big lake they call Gitchigumi. We talked. This, oh, this is a bit, right? We we talked about this, right? I, here's the thing. I, <laughs> I I'm not 100 percent sure we have talked about it, but but I'm here. I'm here for any Edmund Fitzgerald <laughs> reference possible. Um, and and I will give yeah. you. My favorite version of the wreck of the world, um, which is from uh, from the Rio Statics. Uh, oh yes, we have talked. Sorry, sorry for the repetition, folks. We've talked about this before, uh, but I, I, for some reason, talking about Port Huron, which is not mentioned in no. in the lyrics of the, but you know, it's up in that same general vicinity, right? It's a yeah. it's a great Great Lakes centric song, um, and Port Huron is is on one of the Great Lakes, right? Yeah. Is is, well, is, 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 so, is what is wait is Lake Huron one of the Great Lakes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Lake okay, Huron, and is Port Huron on Lake Huron? <laughs> so so Port Huron, so sort of. Okay? okay. So so yeah, I mean, um, and let's look at let's do a little uh bit of a, a screen shot here. So I, I'm not sure if Port Huron proper is on Lake Huron, but Port Huron is very close to Lake Huron. Okay. Um, be, and maybe someone else. Well, maybe. To, yeah, I guess, I guess probably is. it is at the mouth of the river. I think it's the black. No, it's the St. Clair river. Um, and, and, um, uh, Lake Huron okay. and yeah. And, uh, the St. Clair river flows into Lake St. Clair, which is what Detroit part of Detroit is on, which, okay. my, yeah, which my grandmother, um, <laughs> Grandma Nan would refer to as one of the Great Lakes, but it is technically not one of the <laughs> not. Great Lakes. Yeah, where where we would say Superior, Michigan, Huron, Erie, and Ontario, and this very small dot in the middle, Lake Saint Clair, because she, um, when she was growing up, uh, her her family would drive the I, I don't know how long it would take in in you know 1940 or 19 even earlier 19 in the 30s. Um, but they would travel to Lake Lake Saint Clair for to to go to, to go to a, a vacation there. Um, well, and so yeah, then if, oh, go ahead. No, no. So so anyway, I I have a fond um, connection to Lake Saint Clair because it always makes me makes me think of Grandma Grandma Nan. Oh, yeah. Well, if you want if you want to see a bunch of awkward uh, people not standing very close to one another, let me suggest that you check out the webpage for PortHuron.org. <laughs> The city of Port Huron, and uh, there's a bunch of people that are standing further apart than uh, than the people in that photo. So oh, you true. share it with me. So, yeah. 
And one one person's head's right in front of the logo, which is uh, yeah. they needed Poor, someone to. Poorly done. Yeah. She should have been crouching down. Yeah, she should have been crouching down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so I think I I don't know. They might say that they're they're on the river and on the on the lake. Um, but yeah, it's right right close to Lake Lake Huron. Um, there, uh, I we we were um, uh, giving our our seminar workshop in a hotel, the the double the Hilton DoubleTree Hotel, <laughs> that um, you can see Canada from from the from the room. You can right from my house there. Uh, uh, just like, uh, just like, what's her name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was Russia. That was from Russia. Alaska, but yeah, yeah but anyway. I think she, I think she could also see. She could uh, also see Canada, Canada from from, from the other side of her house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yep. Uh, port, uh, Port Huron, Lake Huron, Lake Kitchigumi. Um, yeah, I, classic, I will, classic Caperina. Yeah, <laughs> Macchiato. All the macchios. I'm gonna give you a link uh, to a YouTube video that, uh, or well, it's not a video. I mean, it's a kind of a video, but there's no video to it. You know, like they do that on the um, on YouTube where where they just yeah, it's just have a, it's just it's just the yeah, it's just something pretty to look at while you listen to music. Yeah, it's uh, audio with uh, with the with the album cover on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this would be my favorite um, uh, version. Uh, which is wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald double double live from real statics disc disc two this <laughs> two but um but then you also have uh Regina is the first it goes right into wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald uh, so you gotta you gotta listen to Regina first have you ever it. have you ever been to Saskatchewan Don speaking of uh places in um, Canada I I think so isn't that where uh Lynn McMullen is a faculty no that's Al- no? Alberta Oh gosh, I get all those old Canadian places confused. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. Is is I don't I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I I have not. It is. Um, oh wow. Yeah, it's one. Is one that allowed? The, yeah, it was one of the provinces I've not been to. Um, so it's not that many, Ben. No, it wouldn't be that hard. No, I know, but it's the one that's in the middle of of all the other ones that I've been to. Mm, mm. So and it's far um to get from one to the other like i've been to alberta multiple times i've been to manitoba a bunch of times i've been to british columbia a bunch of times but uh not saskatchewan and uh the the two the two large towns there of saskatoon famous for their berries um and and regina uh named after the um uh, the family of the queen i believe okay yes well yeah so so i do know uh, i think steve um ingham who is a colleague that I uh, went to undergrad together with, who's now um, uh, in Wisconsin uh, in, in Department of Ag. But I think he spent some time as a faculty member there. Um, oh, at university. They have a food science department there, I think. In, I think in so. Saskatoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, many um, people spend a little bit of time there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Do you know um, one of our one of our virus friends is there now? Um, oh. Angie... Um, Frazier? <laughs> no, 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 Angie, the other Angie, 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 COVID, uh, Rasmussen. Oh, Angie, okay. Yeah, An- Dr. Angela Rasmussen, um, Angie Rasmussen is uh, now at the, what is it called? It's like um, the va- well, vaccine. College, College of Medicine, right? Um, it, well, it's the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization, Healthy People, Healthy Animals at the University of Saskatchewan. 
Okay. Um, Vito. Vito, they call it. Vito. Vito. Vito, 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 whatever it takes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I gave a T20. What's the the Vito? Uh, Anyway, uh, in in Vito Veritas? In Vito Veritas. Vito Vito Corleone from... uh, from the from the Godfather, um, uh, the uh, I would yeah I gave a, a two two twenty two twenty one reference in relation to someone saying two twenty. Did, any, <laughs> like, did anybody get it? No, no one laughed. On oh, it was it. it was met with crickets, <laughs> and it was I can't remember the it was some. Uh, um, you know, university committee situation where someone mm. said, uh, it w- w- you know, we should do this at 220. And I said, 220, 221, whatever, whatever it takes. takes. And, and Don, uh, no, no, like everyone just kind of looked around, like, <laughs> like awkwardly, the, like what? And then we just moved on because I could, you can't, I can't, couldn't explain it. Um, but there was not one person, uh, who, who laughed oh. at that. Yeah. They don't, I guess they don't listen to the show so much. Uh, which is Ooh, where for, most people know popular culture, apparently. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> oh, so yeah. Um, so did you watch what, cause you're, you're on a plane. What, what was your plane viewing? I'm all, I'm and uh, Oh, I, my, my, my plane viewing, you, you might find this interesting. Um, my plane viewing well so on the way let's let let's let's do let's do a little bit of plane plane safety talk so this was interesting so when i got i got upgraded out of newark which was always nice so i got a lay lay flat uh seat which you know, oh. eventually you know you could you could make it lay flat which is great right i really like that but um we took off late because there were a lot of people uh who brought on carry-ons that we didn't have room for and then <laughs> Apparently the door to the plane got stuck or something. And so it took a while to get those loaded into the hold. Um, And then eventually we took off and then I, you know, the guy comes around and he says, what would you like? I'm like, I don't really want dinner, but you know, I could, if you have cheese and crackers course, and if you could bring me a wine, that'd be great. Um, And then um, the captain comes on and I, this was, this was a weird experience, Ben, as I've gotten older, you know, it used to be when you ride airplanes, when you fly, when you fly, you ride airplanes. What when you ride an airplane, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when you're traveling by airplane, um, the captain is older than you, right? And then okay. as you get older, um, the captains, eventually you hope they're not older than you because, you know, you're getting to be pretty old, right? Um, and I'm getting to be pretty old. You're still young. But um, but the captain comes on and I think it's the captain and he, he really sounds like he doesn't know what he's doing. What? Um, I, yeah, what? just he really just seemed it. He just sounded like not captainy enough for me, and I know that's a, <laughs> you know whatever. And and it wasn't it was he was a, he was a dude, right? It wasn't like it was I don't want a lady flying this plane, right? No, it was a dude. But um, I don't know, and he just didn't project an aura of confidence. And then he said, "Well, I'm going to ask the crew to take their jump seats because I'm expecting some turbulence." And then he never released the thing, and it didn't seem all that turbulent to me. And I'm like, "Screw it, I'm going to bed." So I just lay down and went to sleep and I didn't get any dinner um, and I didn't have any viewing except the inside of my mask. Um, oh. So my uh, my eye mask. So I didn't do any viewing on the plane um, on the way down. On the way back, Ben, I am not I am not a watch movies on the plane guy. I'm more like, let me I want to know where the plane is and let me get my my other app 
on my on my phone so i can really be sure that i know where the plane is and i, <laughs> and I can see i can see all the other planes and i can check you know which ones we're on a collision course with and you know what what altitude they're at right so i i'm i'm looking at my screens on my phone and i did watch part of the jackie robinson movie without the sound on the guy because the guy that's what the guy next to me was watching so i turn off my screen and i just i, I turn off my screen because i don't want to watch movies on the plane but i end up getting sucked in by the people next to me so i did wow. watch part of the part of 42 which i do very much want to see um because it looks very good a lot of a lot of racist people white people being racist against jackie robinson um uh so that's that's on the list for future viewing but i yeah so I, that's what i did on the airplane then <laughs> well, hey that's good that, that is a great movie i will definitely Definitely support 42. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've watched it. It's great. Chadwick Boseman's in it. Um, mm -hmm. So good. Um, and, oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. He, he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Not in the, oh, not in the movie. Not no in the spoiler. movie. No. No. Um, but oh, wow. uh, that, yeah. that's, that was him. Oh, yeah. That's it. Damn. Yep. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I So the reason why I ask is I've gotten into something that you, I'm sure, is not something that you want to watch. But... Um, I have become obsessed with a new show on Netflix, Dawn, and it is a, it's a, uh, a documentary series about professional golf. And it is, um, I, I find this fascinating. So I, I like, you know, I like, uh, I like the world of, of golf as, as a, as a sport and I'll, and I'll watch, um, oops, I put that in the wrong spot. Um, I'll watch, uh, golf, um, especially the, the majors as they're known. The big, the big tournaments, the Masters, um, the Open, uh, the the U.S. Open, uh, the PGA Championship, and I watch, you know, I, wa I watch some golf. But I have been just swept up in the behind the scenes of what being a professional golfer is like. And these, the, the you know, the, I, there, there's probably, um, I don't know, so. I'm not sure what the percentage is, but some of it's contrived, right? Like there's cameras following people, people when cameras are following them may not act exactly the way that they act all the time. They're, mm -hmm. you know, you got to make the, you got to make the show interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but I'm, I, I, I don't know the character development of these, uh, of these professional golfers is really, it's really interesting. So I'm, I'm now like four episodes into this. And uh, that's what I watched when I was, uh, when I was traveling the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, and it makes, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but, but it, it they, there, there are some professional golfers who I, you know, I would watch them do their thing. Uh, most of them, I, I would say all, I, I, almost all of the, the golfers, and this is probably why you and or Kristen would not watch the show. I don't like them. I don't like them. Like, I think they're all villains. Um, I couldn't, there's, you know, I, what I watched this show for is because I don't, I don't like these people. I would not want to hang out with them. Is that, is that weird? Like, no. like, yeah, like hockey wise, I'll watch, you know, if it was a documentary with on, on hockey players behind the scenes in the dressing rooms, there has been a few of those on, on HBO. I love that. And I, they, they are the people that I want to hang out with, but the, but, um, there, there's one episode in particular, um, on, uh, on a professional golfer, his name is Brooks Kepka, and he doesn't. He just does not seem like a really fun, nice person. <laughs> so yeah, he, we, he doesn't listen we, to the show. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't. Um, yeah, I we neither of us are big 
fans of watching golf. Um, I have played, we've discussed this before. I have played golf. Um, as a kid, my grandfather was really into golf, but I, yeah, it's not, that's not, there's a lot of reasons to not watch that. Um, and one of them is the people are jerks, right? But there are many more reasons beyond that why I would never watch that. Yeah. So I, I just like the, I don't know. I like the way that Netflix, well, the producers behind this and Netflix has kind mm-hmm. of got a, a way of telling stories about behind the scenes that I've, I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed. There, there's mm-hmm. the Formula One drive to survive. Um, that that was the first one that that they did, and I don't I don't enjoy Formula One or car racing at all. But I watched um, a, a season of that, and I really like the I like the people behind that. But then there's also a, um, one on tennis called Breakpoint, which is next for mm-hmm. me after I finish the the golf. I just I it's more about the scenarios that like what the life is like to be a professional athlete is very. Mm-hmm interesting that it's not it's a job right like it it Mm -hmm. is and it's a job that that people get paid a lot of money to do and i but i but it it just appears to be a grind and it takes a very special type of person that i'm certainly not not Mm -hmm. not just because my athletic you know uh, shortcomings (laughs) well but if but if you but if you describe your job as an academic to a professional golfer they would probably say oh man that sounds like a grind i could never do that (laughs) true Yeah, yeah, yeah i'd just much rather hit golf balls uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Make the make the little white ball go in the hole. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's anyway. I would um, if you're yeah if if you're at all interested in sport documentaries, even for sports that you're not interested in, I think it is a very well produced um series and program. It's very it, it's and it's also beautiful, right? Like it, because it's so green and lush, and it the 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 cinematography on it's really good. So. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what what we do to get that same thing is we watch nature documentaries, and so yeah. it's all the green, lushness, beautiful cinematography, um, with none of the annoying golf players. <laughs> no. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that. that I, can, I can see where I could see where you would you would want want to make that trade off. Yep. Uh, yep. Um. So I put there's a few things I want to talk about this week. But I right. put well, a there's, really there's, yeah. There's one thing that I absolutely must talk about. Oh well, let's go we, there. We, well, well, oh, well, okay. Um, so, um, and this is I, I think <laughs> I sent you a. I put it in the thing, and I yeah. also sent it to you. So, one of our, uh, one of our. I'm sorry, you oh, caught yeah. me by uh, unprepared, but but I have to find it. Um, but one of our listeners did an amazing experiment with Chat GPT. Yes, um, yes, yes. And I, I don't care when we do this, but I definitely want to do this um, today on this show. So, um, yeah, no, we need to do this second. now. Oh, we need to do this now. Okay. So, all right. So let's see here. Let's go to FST next and sort of in the correct order. Whoops. <laughs> okay. Cause I, I've right. got it here. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, I got it. All right. So, Open do you want me side. to do this? Yeah. No, yeah. You, you you go ahead. You go okay. ahead. You do it. So yeah. so this is this is from listener Andrew. Um uh and it, you know, he clicks the radio button just writing to say hi. Uh subject chat GPT risky or not. Um so <clears throat> he has just hit episode, and so we're talking about our other podcast, uh risky or not. And uh, Andrew is listening to episode four twenty-five of that show. <clears throat> 
And so um, basically he sends us the entire chat log from this conversation that he has with chat GPT. And, and I have to say like props to, to Andrew for like taking the time to, to, to do this and then also to send this to us. And I think it is, it is quite informative about the strengths and weaknesses of, of chat GPT. But basically um, he says, um, we're going to play, and this is him talking to the the, <laughs> yeah. the the robot, right? We're going to play a game called Risky or Not. Well, I will propose a scenario where a human is consuming the given item, substance, or food, and you will assess the risks of in- <laughs> illness, injury, or death of a human consuming the given item, substance, or food, and respond based on the results, either not risky with a thumbs up sign. So again, props to Andrew for going all in. He tells the, the AI you know exactly what it is so so you can respond with not risky thumbs up or risky biohazard sign right you will you and here we go you will not this is him still talking to the ai you you will not waffle december <laughs> waffle dither dissemble or equivocate but instead give the most accurate answer of risky biohazard or not risky thumbs up based on the facts that you can find not risky thumbs up means it's safe for human consumption it will not cause any illness Disease, illness, distress, or death, risky biohazard means that there is a significant risk for human consumption to cause illness, disease, death, distress, or death. Chat GPT. I understand the rules of the game. Please proceed. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite okay. part. Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen uh, year old pickle brine. Um, uh, uh, Chat GPT says, assuming that seventeen year old pickle brine means pickle brine that's been stored for seventeen years, consuming it would be risky. Pickle brine is a solution of water, vinegar, salt, and spices that is used to preserve cucumbers or other vegetables. While vinegar is acidic and can inhibit the growth of some bacteria, it is not a guarantee that the brine is safe to consume after such a long period of time. Over time, the acidity of the pickle brine can decrease, okay, um, which allow harmful bacteria to grow. Additionally, spices and flavorings in the brine could break down and create toxic compounds. Hmm, I don't think uh, so. Um, yeah. Therefore, consuming 17-year-old pickle brine could potentially lead to blah, 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 blah. Best to err on the side of caution and avoid consuming such an old pickle brine. Okay, so anyway, really interesting. So, And we, we've got a bunch more. It's probably pretty boring to read all of these, but there is one um okay th- yeah so and so he he does bog butter which is which is pretty good um uh, bog bog butter is risky according to chat gpt um uh, eating at a restaurant without power <laughs> this um, sounds good so yeah. this is good and we i won't read the whole thing um but basically the re- the 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 thing the 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 ai says could be risky uh, having to do with perishable foods at you know certain temperatures however if the restaurant is taking steps to prepare safely and sh- prepare safely prepare and store food during the power outage uh, might be not risky. It's important to use good sense and common judgment. <laughs> Andrew, you're waffling. Give me a straight answer. <laughs> that GPT. I apologize if my previous answer was not clear enough. Here's a straight, here's a straight answer. Eating at a restaurant without power can be risky if the restaurant is unable to blah, blah, blah. Um, consuming food from the restaurant may not be risky. Uh, ultimately, it depends on the circumstances. So, so he cautions chat GPT to not waffle and, and chat GPT continues to waffle. So um, wearing silver threaded clothing, uh, chat GPT says not risky. Uh, decorating the inside of your refrigerator, uh, chat GPT says generally not risky. Um, storing cheddar and cheddar and gouda at 45 to 50 for an undetermined amount of time, chat GPT says risky. 
Um, homemade teriyaki sauce in an old hairspray bottle. Uh, Chat GPT says risky. Um, <clears throat> sending home baked lemon squares to the elderly in the mail. Risky. Uh, Chat GPT says risky. Um, uh, food safety experts generally advise against sending homemade baked goods through the mail, especially to vulnerable populations such as the elderly. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, it says you can temperature freeze. butter. Yeah, freeze it right. Yeah. That yeah, and then uh, make sure that they're yeah. It's it is really fascinating. Yeah. So again, I think, uh, so we, it's well established on the show that you are more risk averse than I am. And I think chat GPT is more risk averse than both of us and probably get, would get is seems to be giving advice that a very conservative extension person who always, you know, when in doubt, throw it out, err on the side of safety person would give right yeah. uh, butter candies are risky uh beer kegs in the bathroom risky doesn't say anything about norovirus in there um cooking chicken drumsticks in a waffle maker risky well we we both thought that was risky so anyway so uh, thanks so much to andrew for doing this and sending this to us um it really uh was uh, fascinating yeah well and and so i want to i want to jump in on one of these that i thought was sure particularly interesting too which shows kind of the shortcomings of of chat gpt in in general so the one is storing frozen corn dogs in the refrigerator for several weeks several weeks which is one that came to us from our friend pastor P pinkston mm -hmm. um and it, the 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 reason it, chat gpt gives is this the refrigerator temperature ranges from 35 to 40 degrees, okay? Which is too mm -hmm. warm for frozen foods like corn dogs. Over time, the corn dogs will thaw and enter the quote danger zone temperature range of 40 to 140. But but didn't ChatGPT just tell me that my refrigerator was less than 40? Like what what is it? Like why would it um, just immediately assume that over time it will enter the danger zone, right? Like, I think it's, it's trying to answer this question um, and, and really manufacture an answer to it. Um, and which is, it, I, I would say the, the other ones you could find in some cases, there's a thread to risk, but this one, there's, there's like a logic problem here that I, well, that I have. And I, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think where chat GPT gets screwed up is, and there's probably, food safety advice out there on the internet that it's that it's copying from right basically is storing frozen foods in the refrigerator for several weeks is risky because frozen foods are supposed to be frozen it's right there in the name right right, right. um yeah but but yeah but it really doesn't and, and again it's probably cribbing from loads of websites out there that that tell you no you can once you thaw a frozen food you need to consume it uh, and you can't leave it around for several weeks right yeah Exactly. Um, so I had a fun chat GPT um, conversation. Uh, well, not not a conversation with chat GPT, but I'm going to do this right now um, that uh, some colleagues here at NC State, we were talking about this. And um, one of my colleagues asked chat GPT to construct a bio for himself. Right. And I think you, did you and I, did we talk about this? Like I did this as well. And I did one for you as well. Do you, have you, do we, uh, do you remember talking about this at all? I, yeah, but that's a pretty, that's pretty easy because my bio is already out there. Right. right. But here is the higher level thing that my colleague said, and now write, um, 
give me uh, essentially the titles of five publications that Dr. Ben Chapman could have written. And it constructed Ooh, nice. five like non like these are it was all made up. Like it was right. it, it was not it was not real and, at all. Yeah. And did they do they seem like things that you could have written? Absolutely. That's yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. So I'm gonna try and, and do that um while we're while, while we're talking because I thought I forgot about it until we started just talking about this um right now. And I I mean we, we Chat GPT has been something that we've talked about the last few few episodes. And I, I really like where we've kind of arrived at is that it is a tool, right? And yeah, and needs, absolutely. And it needs some checking because there are things out there that are it, it's just it's not thinking right like it's not a um it's, it's not a human being it is taking the millions and millions of text inputs that exist in its mind and it's predicting what the next words should be based on you know based on it right so for right. for instance i just asked um chat gpt to write a bio for me and don it says Dr. Ben Chapman is a renowned food safety expert and professor in the Department of Agricultural and Human Sciences at North Carolina State University. All right, I'll, I'll go with that. I mean, it's it's not, I would not say renowned in my bio. Um, but here, right away, he received his bachelor's degree in biology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and his master's and PhD in food science and technology from Virginia Tech. I did not. Uh, uh, seems seems reasonable for somebody who ended up at NC State. Unfortunately, right. that was not your path. I did not do that. I did not do that at all. Um, in addition to his academic work, Dr. Chapman has also served as a consultant to various organizations. This is true, including the World Health Organization and the Food and Drug Administration. That is not true. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. What are some... Yeah, well, and that's that's the danger of of using these things is if you don't know what you're doing, like that sounds entirely plausible. But in this case, we know we know your history. You know your history pretty well, and I know it well enough to know that, um, like that's just not right. Right, right. So yeah, yeah, um, yep. So oh, it also says here that I won the North Carolina State University's Alumni Association Outstanding Teacher Award. Did you? Uh, nope. He does, is that, also, does that even exist? Is that, I, is that a thing I, that you could win? That is a thing that I could oh, win. Oh, but you're not an yeah. alumni. You couldn't. No, you no. couldn't, though. Is, is that an well, award given by the alumni or given to alumni? It's by the Alumni Association. <laughs> okay. So, okay. yeah. Um, but I did not win that. Also, it says he is a fellow of the International Association for Food Protection, which I am well, not. someday. Someday. Well, right. But I currently someday am soon. Not. Yeah. And <laughs> the Society for Risk Analysis. I'm not even a member. <laughs> So um, maybe it's got you and I confused, Ben. Yeah, yeah. But this was I like the um when when my colleague was talking about this, this and and I think in you know really that's what I, the lens I was thinking about when I looked at the soaring right, frozen right. corn dogs, right? It is right. It, it is trying to predict what the next word could be or what the words should be. Um, so and, do, yeah. do do you do you have the titles of the papers that you haven't yet written? It's coming. It's okay. It's coming. All right. It's, it's it's thinking. Yeah. Chat GPT is is not um is not happy today. It's uh it's yeah. very it's very it's very slow. Well, I and so while we're while we're waiting for that, yeah. So I think you know it's it it I and I have been and 
have been really interested to follow the discussion on this, you know, all the way from the, oh, this is the end of writing. No one will ever write anything ever again to, no, look, this is a tool. We, we've talked about in past episodes, I think, how people could use this tool as a way, you know, engage your your classroom, engage your students using this tool. I mean, it's like any other tool, right? It's like if like somebody said, oh, well, using spell checking on your computer is not fair because you didn't know how to spell that word. It's like, no, but that's a tool. I can use it, right? Using the 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 text prediction in uh, iMessage, right? It's cheating. Well, no, it's not cheating. And it's and you can get some very humorous things if you just simply blindly follow what the recommendations uh, are. But uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, it is a it is a useful tool. We need the sooner we figure out that it's a tool and we need to use it, the the better, right? Uh, because it's it, it yeah, it's not it's not going to replace the job that you and I do every day. Probably right. we can see from the answers to risky or not. I mean, it's not it's not it's not even in some cases it's pretty good, and in other cases it's wildly off. Yeah. Oh, this is so. Don uh, ChatGPT has come back with five papers for your uh consumption and they are excellent so so uh uh, chapman raymond who is one of my graduate students uh powell uh doug who we've talked about and leanne jacobs 2013 food safety yeah food safety attitudes differ between consumers and food safety professionals in the united states journal of food protection um (laughs) yeah uh uh issue 76 um uh you know, pages 1892 to 1899 that is not a real paper next not real paper Chapman- but it sounds really very specific i'm really right? impressed that it knows what a paper is and how to format i mean I guess it's not it's not that surprising but yeah no, but it's fascinating next one chapman mclean and gardner don't know who mclean and gardner are at all <clears throat> evaluate this is a 2017 pub- publication of mine in the british food journal evaluating food safety risk messages in popular cookbooks Okay, actually wrote a paper in the British Food Journal entitled that in at uh, that same year, not with those people, with different people. Um, third paper, Chapman, Eversley, Fillion, I do know them. And then McDougall, who I do not know, an observational study of food safety behaviors in nonprofit food service establishments. I, I could write a paper like that, I think. Um, and then my favorite uh, two, um, uh, is another Chapman Powell and, and Jacobs classic from 2016 uh, that was in Foodborne Pathogens and Disease, The Value of Consumer-Centered Food Safety Messages for Infectious Disease Prevention. That that sounds interesting. But Don, here's the one where I knew ChatGPT is drunk. Uh, 2018 paper of mine, I'm the lead author, uh, second and senior author, Mike Doyle. Insights from social science research on food safety. And this was in the annual review of food science and technology. <laughs> nice. This is great. You've so, never I, written yeah. a paper with Mike Doyle, right? No. I no. I, mean, Don, I wonder I wonder I wonder if Leanne has ever written a paper with Doug. I don't nope, think so. No way. No, yeah, yeah I know for sure. Don, this is gonna sound absolutely hilarious, but I'm not actually sure that I've ever met Mike Doyle. No. <laughs> Let alone written a paper with him. Do you yeah. know what he looks like? Yeah, yeah. Would you yeah, recognize no, I, if you saw him on the street? I, okay, definitely. I would rec- I, I wouldn't recognize him as my co-author though. Uh, but but yeah, these are. I mean, these are absolutely the types of titles of papers that I could write or could have written. And that was. Oh yeah, the, they sound very yeah. very plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Th- this was. Um. Yeah. Anyway, fa- fascinating stuff. Um. So, ChatGPT. Um. 
the uh, hours of uh, hours of excitement and fun. Um, and I think we linked to maybe we didn't link to this because maybe I did this after we talked, but I asked and we must have done this where I, where I asked like, oh, yeah, we talked about uh, Donald Trump and his speech about food safety. And um, yes, and my, yes, and, yes. And my favorite one, which I generated, um, I think after that, which was, can you write a 200 word opinion piece about FDA's uh, food safety restructuring yes. in yes. the style of Hunter S. Thompson? Yes. Well, 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 folks, the FDA is shaking things up once again. <laughs> <laughs> this time they're restructuring their food safety operations. And let me tell you, it's got me feeling some type of way. I just love it. So buckle yeah. up, folks. It's the FDA after all. You never know what's going to happen next. Speaking of which, this is a segue into something I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, I could not have done that any better, but I... Um, okay, so there's been a little bit of a discourse um, that is that has happened. Um, I'm going to send you two links, um, mm -hmm. and uh, one is uh, so a, a letter um, that uh, our our friend and uh, colleague um, Bill uh, Marler wrote on. Uh, he published it on uh, Food Safety News and also on Marler Blog. Uh, a publisher's platform, be best or be better. Um, said, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just read some excerpts from this because uh, it starts great. And he may, I don't know if he got, uh, maybe we can get chat GPT to write an opinion piece in the, like in the voice of Style Bill, Bill Marler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, he, he, uh, it starts, I must admit, I seldom borrow anything from the former president or the first lady, but this seemed to fit all too well. Uh, and that was the be, be best or be better. Um, anyway, uh, Bill essentially calls out and says, FDA wrote a letter to infant formula manufacturers in or earlier this month asking the formula industry to be best or be, le be better. Um, and... Uh, uh, so, you know, I'll read from FDA's letter. The letter is directed at manufacturers, packers, distributors, exporters, importers, and retailers involved in the manufacturing and distribution of powdered infant formula. Um, there was a bunch of chronobacter illnesses. Um, FDA inspected the associated facilities. Um, this led to nationwide recall. Um, in response, FDA developed a strategy to prevent future chronobacter illnesses associated with powdered infant formulas, issuing this letter to share current information to assist the industry in improving microbiological safety of powdered infant formula. And Bill's response is, get this straight, the FDA, despite being humiliated by its own findings, a whistleblower report and political fallout of babies dying and shelves empty of formula, asked the industry to voluntarily be best or be better. Um, and I mean, that's the gist of his message, but what appeared today, Don, which is what I want to talk about is, um, a response to that by Susan Maine, director of FDA's, yeah. uh, CIFSAN. So did you have a chance to, to look at this? I didn't, I saw it was in there, but I uh, did yeah. not read it yet. So this is, I, I want, I want to get your takes. Uh, so mm, sure. The hot takes time. Okay. So, so, uh, um, Susan, Susan Maine writes first, and this is bold. Mar Mr. Marler says FDA should put an inspector in every plant 24 seven, right? Um, 
Uh, the response is manufacturers are, ins- are responsible for ensuring the safety of formula they sell to consumers. It's FDA's responsibility to verify through the use of inspections. We believe that gaining access to additional information um, it, it, regarding positive product samples as requested in our letter would allow the agency to verify that the appropriate corrective actions are taken by firms when positive samples are found. Um, really, uh, it, it, you know, um, Susan doesn't really tackle the request of why, but sort of deflects it to saying, if we got all the information we're asking for voluntarily, we wouldn't need someone in there, um, every, you know, 24 seven, um, FDA set targets to inspect facilities that produce infant formula annually. So that instead of 24 seven, they have them once a year. What FISMA requires is once every three years and non-high risk facilities to be inspected once every five years. So they say that they're already doing inspections three times as much uh, for the high risk product. Um, uh, Marler says FDA should mandate testing of products in the facility and the facility. And uh, Susan's response is FDA does not have the authority to do this. Um, and um, third thing that Marler says that Susan responds to is FDA should work to get Chronobacter uh, to be a reportable bacteria infection mm-hmm. in all states so we know what the scope of the problem is. And FDA supports elevating this. Um, however, adding a disease to the nationally notified disease list is something that is led by the Council of State and Ter- Territorial Epidemiologists with support from CDC. So we support it, but we we can't do it. Um, uh, yeah, as I've talked a little bit about it, you you take a look. What are your what are your what are your thoughts? I have I have some I have thoughts. Yeah. Well, so you know, I've never I've never worked for FDA. I've never like our friend and colleague Linda Harris never done a sabbatical at FDA. My sense is that it is an organization that has a lot of bureaucracy. One of the things about bureaucracies is it's very difficult to make change, especially if there's not a culture of change, if there's a, a culture of being, it's not really a risk averse culture so much as it is a risk of change, a risk of aversion to change culture. I mean, it, sort of taking, I mean, on, on, a, on the one hand, taking a high level view, it does sound like Director Main is kind of apologizing and saying, well, we can't really do anything because it's not our job or we don't have the authority, which, you know, I mean, it sounds it sounds kind of weak and 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 it's not the response that i would like to have fda right but i'm not sure that that regulatory agency could even exist i mean yes i mean congress makes the laws right and it's up to fda to write the rules that are based on the laws and then enforce those uh, enforce those rules and enforce those laws so uh, i don't know it's kind of my, my reaction is it's kind of a wimpy, wishy-washy response, but I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what kind of, what, what we could do to create an FDA that would already be doing these things, right? So, I mean, on the one hand, I'm criticizing FDA. On the other hand, I'm saying I'm not sure they have any other response. If they don't have the statutory authority, they don't have the authority, right? And this would be where it would be interesting um, to write to to hear Marler's response to this, right? And and to to basically, you know, because again, he knows 
he knows the law probably better than you and I know. I mean, certainly right. you know the science better, but he's he's pretty damn good at the science too because his, his his paycheck depends on it, right? But yeah, so I'm I'm not really satisfied with FDA's response. I guess if I had to sum it up, I, I'm not really satisfied with FDA's response. It sounds kind of wishy-washy, but I'm not really sure that they have any other choice other than to respond in that way because of the constraints. So I, 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 I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah, I feel like there are other ways to respond to it as opposed to to um, falling back on we don't have regulatory authority, right? Like you have regulatory mm-hmm. authority for a lot of things that you could yeah. maybe get to the objective here of testing, right? Like maybe the way that the that Bill wrote wrote his article, and I, I feel that Bill is he's careful, right? Like he's yeah. he's not someone that. Um, is is kind of like fly by night approach to to food safety. I think that the, <laughs> the, uh, 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 yeah, you sure about that? I mean, he's not he's not he's not locked out in all areas of his life. No, true, true, true. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't know where his wallet is, but uh, <laughs> doesn't doesn't know what he, who he's having dinner with. Doesn't know who he's having dinner with. But but I, I feel like in this, like there there are just certain words that he uses and certain things. So he's like, I, he knows. Right. That that they don't oh, have yeah. this right, um, right. The, the ability to do it, but but it's not his, um, I guess responsibility to say uh, you you work within your framework to to figure this out to get there. I think um, politically and and from the outset, it's I think you can make a much bigger slam by saying um, you, you should just work with Congress to change the law. Right, like, or someone should should give you the regulatory authority to do it. But I, I think just like, and you know, who would be an interesting person to talk to about this is is someone like Mike Taylor, who's lived yep. inside both USDA and FDA, and was able in both organizations or both agencies or regulatory bodies to to be kind of creative on how the change happened, right? Like declaring 0157H7 an adulterant in um, uh, in ground beef was, was a way to get to the objective of making it illegal to sell that food without saying it's illegal to sell food with, with, with E. coli 0157H7 in it, right? Like it was using an existing framework for an adulterant. And- well, and, and I think like, like Marler, Mike Taylor's a lawyer. Right. Uh, right. And, right. And I, in, in a lot of ways. And Su- and I just was looking up um, Susan Maine and, you know, she's a scientist. Right. She's a Ph.D. Yep. scientist and, you know, and a smart one, too. But maybe what we need to fix FDA is not a scientist. Maybe we and again, and the, the person, the person who is the director of SIFSAN historically has been scientists and lawyers. Right. You've had both people. Um, both types of of people running the center. And I'm, as much as I love scientists and PhD level scientists, maybe we need a lawyer who can go in there and say, well, you know, it's really about the law and the interpretation of the law. And we need a legal scholar, not a scientific, I mean, yeah, support support that person with scientists for sure. But maybe we need a lawyer type um, to head the agency because they're the ones that, that the, the roadblocks at this point seem to be legal and not technical or scientific. Yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, I would not be surprised if um, this is part of, you know, Bill um, unofficially kind of saying, hey, I'd love to love to take the, the new FDA food safety job. You know, he it was oh, pretty boy. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And boy, I, we don't that, know like, would that, would, that would that would be something. 
Yeah, but we don't. I mean, not, there's no inside baseball here. We don't know Bill well enough to to know anything about that. But, um, but the oh, we could we could we could we could email him and he'd send us a reply probably yeah. in a few minutes if he's not busy. He he also um, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm sure you saw this. The get the f out of the FDA. Um, yeah. 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 So I I I I have a I have a T-shirt um, that says that that arrived last week. That was very cool. Um, but I know that uh, he he posted pictures on Twitter about um, you know folks from his office or I don't know exactly where they're from, but um, on uh, like in the Capitol building and on the Hill uh, passing out those those T-shirts. Um, that would be I'll tell you that would be something. Um, it would yeah. be one way to shake to shake things up, and I can only imagine how how excited. <laughs> I, again, I don't know Susan Maine at all. I can only imagine how excited Susan Maine would be to have Bill there. Um, you know, who, like just just based on the back and forth uh, letter letter uh, re, you know call mm-hmm. and response that we just saw. So, mm-hmm. but but so I mean, here here's the thing. Something I, I I don't know. Something has to happen, right? Like someone's going to come in and 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 have to to change things because the. Uh, things have not gone well over the last uh, couple of years, and 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 I would say that FISMA has been been great, and actually has probably been more effective than I would have predicted ten years ago because the industry has had to respond to a, a lot of things, and sort of it's been a you know a decade long process, um, but you know the the power struggle uh of being able to to move quickly when there are problems is is something that um you know that that i think is a is a problem something that that people are you know looking for um to fix uh and and here we like here we are just another you know recall on uh infant formula over the weekend as well from uh, nestle in canada um so yeah so whew, i don't know a lot a lot of fun a lot of fun things going on um chat gpt oh you i don't know if i put this in no you must have put this in what can we talk about the covid19 origin stuff even though this is about food safety talk like there's a lot of weird stuff going on with this <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I think I probably put it in. This wasn't one of the many delightful emails that. Oh yeah, you can see I put it in because uh, when I, I I printed it from my email, and you can see uh, that it ah, was yeah. printed at uh, twenty one fourteen Brazilian Standard Time. So yes. obviously, the person printing that had their email program in Brazil. So yeah, so I'll. This is um, this is from our good friend Carl Custer, who sends us a lot of stuff. And basically, this is, uh, I think it's a link to uh, AAAS. Uh, um, And it says, COVID-19 origin bill heads to the president's desk. Last week, the House unanimously passed bill, blah, 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 the COVID-19 origin act, which would require the office of the director of of national intelligence to, to, quote, declassify all information relating to potential links between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the origin of COVID-19. The bill passed uh, the Senate at the beginning of March, so it goes to Biden's desk for signature. I mean, is this the best use of our time? Is this the best use of uh, Congress's time? Are there bigger problems out there? Hell yes. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's, 
uh, it's it, anyway. I mean, I think the scientific consensus is that the 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 organism made the jump because I think the most the most recent discussions have been about some more not quite smoking gun but almost smoking dung gu- smoking dung or or gun um uh linked to raccoon dogs i think there was a swab that found um uh early covid over early, early sars cov2 genetic material sampled from a surface along with raccoon dog uh nucleic acids or dna um, which is pretty close to confirming that okay, where whatever this was, it was in raccoon dogs, and it was and it was the the origin strain or close to the origin strain. So I don't, yeah, I just I I just it's unfortunate that we're spending time on this, but I guess you know I guess Congress feels like there's a consensus, you know, unanimously passed, but. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm in favor of declassifying information, but I'm just not really sure that this is this is not what we need to spend our time on, in my in my opinion. Yeah, well, and I'll, just for more context, so we'll we'll link to a few things, and and I guess the 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 mess that I think is really bizarre here is we've got like you know the um who's it. I mean, I think it's FBI, right? Or no, the U.S. Department of Energy. You know, uh, yeah. this is from Wall Street Journal article from a couple of weeks ago. The U.S. Department of Energy has concluded that the COVID pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak, <laughs> right? Um, but the Energy Department, you know, Don, that's where I get all my my COVID origin news is the uh, yeah. Department of Energy. But they had they were previously undecided. And then WHO this week, I think probably in, in response to all of the news coverage of that change, um, said, hey, we think that there's actual missing data here that, that shows raccoon dogs were the origin. And then I'll just link to one other thing, which again, just coming back to something we mentioned before, um, one, one of the co-authors on a paper in Science uh, about a year and a half ago, no, I guess last year, year last year, um, that it was Angie Rasmussen, um that you know essentially fr- using data don and mm-hmm. epidemiology uh demonstrated the the center of the um uh, of the uh pandemic was uh the hunan uh seafood wholesale market which is where um who thinks that there's raccoon dogs with the with the virus mm-hmm. but i'm with i'm with you here like i think it's a waste of time but i also think that it it just for you and I are, are closer to this and we're not nearly as close as many people who are involved in the origin world, right? Like from a scientific standpoint, but people on the outside from a consumer or just normal like person who believes in science is like, wait, where did this all come from? And I heard that the FBI says it was a lab leak, but and you know, that's the do I do I believe the WHO or the lab or the scientists who published in Science or or the you know, Department of Energy or or the FBI because they're all kind of saying different things, and that that is the challenge of science. But I don't think that the the discourse it, we just move to the next like report, right? Um, there's there's not a there's not a, a you know a a normal news consumer review of this. It's just like, wait, where is it coming from? And now we move on. So I, I don't know. It's a weird, like, and there, I mean, it's, it, to me, 
it's all about it, it's not about the virus, but it's it's about all of the control and power that comes from who controls the origin narrative, right? Like that's the that's the goal. Right. And 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 I guess the question I'm always interested in, like, okay, yes, what's the truth? But then the question becomes, what do we do about it? Right. Yeah. If the if the origin is truly wholesale markets, we sh- China should really do something to clean those up. And this has been said before. And honestly, whatever the origin, uh, you know, the 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 this these wholesale markets are risky in terms of becoming environments where you're putting a lot of animals together under very stressful conditions where viruses can jump species, right? And so they're probably a bad thing, right? In, in general, they are probably a bad thing. Um, now, if, if it turns out instead, the origin is the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and it was a lab leak, or again, some people have alleged it's not a lab leak, it was a deliberately engineered virus. It's like, well, okay, so I guess there's consequences to to that. But ultimately, I mean, and again, I, it's the it, it, the politics gets into it because it's like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we, we, we perceive China as the enemy. And so we're going to do things to paint them as the enemy, whether it real, I mean, either way, if it's a, if it's a lab leak or it's a failure to regulate these wholesale markets, either way, it falls to China to do something about it. But the, you know, the, the way that China would implement that would depend upon what the solution is. And of course, and China's, you know, gone back and said, well, you think it's a lab leak from China? Well, let me show you some evidence that shows it's a lab leak from a lab in the United States. Right. You know, I mean, so then we just get into this this BS back and forth where, yeah, I mean, it would just be better if the scientists could just sort of talk and figure out what to do. And again, this is an example where, and again, I guess so, you know, lawyers are not politicians or not scientists, but, or maybe they are in the cases where they are, but it's, um, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I would be much more interested in figuring out like what to do with the next pandemic and what are some things that we can do to, um, combat the next pandemic? What can we do to be ready? What can we do to, sh- to again, to encourage China to do a better job of regulating these wholesale markets or making sure that they are, you know, the, they're managing the risk appropriately? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a mess, Ben. And I'm, but I'm just, not, I'm not sure that this is helpful. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it diverts the, conversation away from from the stuff that, that you talked about of like what do we do what do we do next right um okay i'm gonna we're, we're gonna switch uh topics here a little bit don mm-hmm. um <laughs> i just sent you a link from my absolute favorite um uh publication um which i've told you before i think is like is truthfully the most terrible thing out there which is tasting table I don't even know why, like I, I have to figure out a way to make it so Apple news, like there's gotta be a way in the algorithm for it to not ever give me stuff from here, but it does give us things to talk about on food safety talk. So Don, the tasting table article that I have just sent to you is 12 red flags that indicate you shouldn't visit that food truck. Okay. Um, yep. So there's a few, like, there's a few things on here that I can agree with. Um, there's some things Don, that and and like this is all written in a like about like food safety 
Okay. And mm-hmm. it's all about that. That's what this is about. So the staff uses gloves improperly. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, right? Raw meat is incorrectly stored. I'm, I'm really only interested in um, the cross-contamination, not so much on temperature, but they talk about temperature in here. There's unappetizing smells, Don. That... Wh- what does that what does that mean? What does that mean to you? If you just saw that headline, what does that mean? Or that without looking at the text that they that they provide? Um, well, here's the thing. Um, if if the food truck doesn't smell good, that's a good reason to not visit that food truck because I don't like things that don't smell good, Ben. I don't like things that right? don't smell good. Yeah, absolutely. They say like the aroma of garbage, rotten meat, or funky dairy. You should not buy from them. Mm, okay. I'm not sure. I know what garbage smells like. I think I know what rotten meat smells like. I'm not sure what funky yeah. dairy smells like, but uh, yeah. And, Fun- and funky Jenkins, on the other hand. Uh, funky Jenkins is one of our, one of our favorite. Oh, I, yeah. Um, if the quote from the article, if the smell is coming from the overflowing trash bin next to the truck, it might just be a super busy day in the middle of summer. Still garbage cleanup remains a big part of proper sanitation techniques. Ugh. Okay. Next. Yeah, one I mean is, this. Yeah, that's. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry, keep going. I no, it's all right. We're gonna get to more. Re- refrigerated ingredients are sitting out. Okay, maybe time. Maybe depends on how long. Yep. Yep. Food served at the wrong temperature. Well, what does that mean, Don? What is what temperature should your food be served at? If you got piping a burrito, hot. piping hot. Yeah. Um, well, and. And let's and so this is specifically to food trucks. So yeah, are, are, is tasting table really advocating that food should be always served at the correct temperature everywhere? I would think if they're doing a good job of cooking the food in the food truck, your chance of getting that food at a nice hot temperature is higher in a food truck than almost anywhere else, right? So certainly, too. certainly, yeah. if I get if I get served uh, lukewarm food from a food truck that is supposed to be hot that that could be an indication of a problem right like why would you but um you know i mean again you it could it could it doesn't certainly it doesn't indicate risk but it would indicate a bad food truck right again these are all some of these are pretty good reasons not to visit that food truck not because of safety but just because of quality right i mean yeah, what, yeah. What, if I got a, a burrito with a cold middle from a food truck, I wouldn't go back to that food truck. I agree with that, but I'm not. I'm not sure that that's going to make me sick. Right, right, right. Um, well, so and we're going to get to a couple more that I think you're really going to like here. <laughs> Don, none of the employees are wearing hats or hairnets. <laughs> um, <sighs> I, I don't want hair in my food, Ben, but I, that's not really a big thing. It's a red flag. And even, even, even that lady in the picture, she's not wearing her hairnet correctly. Right, right. So and, there's hair coming out of that hairnet and, for that. And that lady, I'd like to so. I, Don, I'd also like to share that I don't think that those are great gloves to be using. It looks like those are cloth mm. gloves on on a loaf of bread. Also, um, that, that person's not in a food truck. Yeah. No, or if it is, it's a really big food truck. Yep. You can see pests inside the food truck and there's a great picture of a mouse eating some swiss cheese um yeah i i don't i i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't want to go to a food truck that had pests inside that's a good that's good yes um, i wonder how much they had to pad this list to get to 12. well so i'm i've got 
uh, uh, we're going to get to that, Don, in a second. Okay. And, and our maybe the start of the show might make an appearance again. Uh, <laughs> it it has a huge menu, right? So what this if you got a lot of menu, it, that's a food safety issue. And it says, and this is the one that I really wanted to highlight. If if the vendor you're visiting has an enormous menu, ask yourself where are all those ingredients being stored. And is is it possible that the person cooking your meal has been properly trained in making every last item from the jerk chicken shawarma to the tater tot poutine? Like what? A, well, and, I, that's that's silly, right? Like it's I'm, totally I, silly. But but again, um, going to a food truck that makes two or three or four good things that's a probably a good food truck because they focus on those things they're good at and they make a ton of them right like that's it's not bad advice but it's just not really grounded in food safety right right it's and then the last one that i'll talk about well there's two more here but the kitchen mm-hmm. specifically the sink is a mess so how do i see the sink don in my yeah, food truck? i've never right? i don't think i've ever seen a sink in a food truck do no. they even have sinks they certainly don't have sinks that look like this with plates. Right. right? It's not even right. it's not even good. It's not even good art. It's not even no. good. It's not even a good picture. Because because again, in a food truck, they're not washing your plates and silverware. They're washing their pans for cooking. But again, um, depending on how long the food truck is there, maybe maybe they're not washing anything. Maybe they're just dispensing from containers and then washing when they get back to wherever they park the food truck at night. Yeah. Right? Well, yes. Um, and then the last one here, which is not about the sink, but yeah, who knows how they get there. Most of its reviews come from influencers. <laughs> this is the first time I, I thought of the influencers are, did, are, are infiltrating our food safety world. Well, do I would, again, I would take the question and, and sort of reframe it and say, would you not go to a restaurant if most of its reviews come from influencers? I, I think probably most reviews that most people are seeing come from influencers. It's right there in the name of the influencers, right? It's all about the algorithm that the the restaurant website or the review website is using. So, I mean, I, yeah, I get, I get that. I get that, you know, influencers, especially influencers who are paid as influencers and who are not really um, giving an accurate assessment. Um, But again, I always go and look at the star rating. I look at what the stars are. I look at how many people have composed those star ratings and then I'll read some of the reviews. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. We went to a place in uh, Brazil, a pizza place, uh, because it was close and uh, we got some really good pizza. Uh, Michelle Danilak and Sarah Cahill and myself, we went out and I found it on the internet and it was close by, but not like super close to the hotel. It was like maybe five blocks, six blocks walk. And uh, the reviews were good and the pizza was good and it was fine. And, you know, it was, uh, it was Brazil. So of course they didn't speak any English. So we had lots of pointing and smiling and uh, we got some good pizza. Yeah, that's great. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to recap these 12 red flags. Now, for, all right. Because, now, and you did right. skip some of them. Uh, I did. Cause I want to come back to ones them. that. Yeah. You want to come yeah. back to them. Okay, cool. Okay. So first one gloves improperly. Second one, raw meat incorrectly stores or raw meat incorrectly stored. Third, unappetizing smells. Fourth, refrigerated ingredients are sitting out. Fifth, food served at the wrong temperature. A couple that I skipped were you don't see a license and the owner can't produce one. A health ins- the next one is a health inspection is below an A or is hidden. Um, that we talked about employees wearing hats or hairnets, pests inside the food truck, huge menu. 
sick as a mess. And most of the reviews come from influencers. Don, I think you know where this is going. I asked ChatGPT to create a 500-word article <laughs> of the 12 red flags that you shouldn't visit that food truck. And I'm going to tell you, Don, it's, it is pretty close. Man, um, are you saying that Tasting Table is, is – uh, are you saying that Jenny Latrelli um, is an AI? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but they might, the Jenny might be using AI. So number one, dirty or unkempt appearance. Number two, no hand-washing station. Number three, so dirty or unkempt appearance. I think we'll, we'll take that with the unappealing smells because what they were talking about is a garbage area, right? Um, uh, no health inspection certificate. Well, yep, that one matches up. Um, poor reviews. Well, so that's the opposite. Okay. This is a mo yep. mo there are good reviews, but it comes from influencers. Um, poor quality ingredients. Maybe the ChatGPT says if the food truck is using quote, low quality ingredients, it may be an indication the food's not fresh or safe to eat. Uh, inadequate refrigeration, cross contamination risk. Like I mean, ChatGPT is stretching here, right? It's just throwing things out that are food safety related. Unsanitary food handling. But here's one that I thought was really interesting. Excessive wait time. So, Don, <laughs> Chad GPT says if the wait time at a food truck seems excessive, it may be an indication that food is not being prepared fresh and to order. I, I, I don't I, don't, I, I think I, that's I, the opposite. Right. If, <laughs> I mean, if you're waiting, it's because they're making each one carefully by hand in an artisanal manner. That, um, that's the yeah. way that I see it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, no allergy. Yeah, it's, information. It's, not like they're, it's not like they're making all of it and letting it sit out and get warm or right. get cold to, to make it seem like there's, you know, like it's really, it's a, it's a very popular food truck. So you have to wait <laughs> or, or, uh. or maybe that they're like you order from the food truck and the order, the food truck's not even making it that they've now had to order it from somewhere else and it's going to take it a while to get there. That might lead to an excessive wait time, <laughs> but I don't sure, think that's how but that's a going. weird way. It's a weird way to run the food truck. <laughs> right, right. Let me call Uber eats real quick and we'll yeah. get you your, we'll your get some backup. Your burrito. Yeah. 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 Uh, but ChatGPT came up with something that I thought was good. That isn't in this original article, which is <laughs> no food allergy information. Yes. Um, that's, that's a good, good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, uh, but my favorite one, Don, is, and again, when, when ChatGPT's got a list of, you know, 12, number 12 is unprofessional staff. If the staff are rude or unprofessional, it may be an indication they're not taking food safety seriously. In addition, unprofessional staff may not be properly trained in safe food handling practices. I'll tell you, Don, I, I think that I have been to many places um, where, you know, the staff might be in a food truck, they're making food, taking orders. They're doing a lot of things in a small area. I think that there's sometimes they're a little bit, I mean, rude might be the wrong, wrong word, but it's not the same customer service experience yeah. as if I go to sit at a, at a sit down restaurant. Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah, maybe they're brusque. Maybe they're in a hurry. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you should figure out what you want to order while you're standing in line and not wait until you get up there. I mean, these are things that piss me off, Ben. I mean, you know, get, stand in line, make, get, have your order ready, pay, pay efficiently, uh, get out of the way, keep moving. Right. <laughs> get are, out of the way, keep are, moving. These, yeah. yeah. These are, these are all things that you should do uh, when you're out uh, eating at a food truck. Right. Right. Exactly. 
Oh man. Oh, that's funny. Um, so Don, I just uh, sent you a little, uh, a little note. I have to abruptly end uh, our conversation Uh-oh. today. Oh, yeah. No. My, my, not, not to OPSEC, but one of my kids just, uh, texted and he's sick from school and, uh, and Danny is, uh, is is actually working at the school today um, as a as a sub. So she's like, "Hey, can you come get him?" So so, so wait. Yeah. So he's sick. He's sick of school, and he wants to come home. Yeah, could be. Could be. <laughs> I don't. Let me just tell you, I don't have all the details. I just have okay. uh, the hey, the information you, I have is you, he threw up. So I'm oh go dear. Ahead. Oh, go go inoculate the school then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're <laughs> we're sending. Um, yeah, we're. We're, we're, we're sending uh, norovirus all around the community, I hope, or I hope not. So um, anyway, I got, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll do another episode soon. Uh, sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds thanks, good. Thanks, we'll, Don. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Um, I do have like two seconds if we want to schedule sure. again. Sure. I told him I'd be there in like 15 minutes. So cool. Uh, well, I mean, he's going to, he's going to vomit whether you're there or not. So exactly. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. It's fine. Um, okay. So what does, what is next? What does next week look like? Or if not, I'm away for spring break the week after that. So it'd be like the week of the 10th. Yeah. So no, shoot me, shoot me some dates next week that work for you. Um, Wednesday is really good. So like Wednesday also good for me. So would you, would 11 to one be good or two to four or let's do two to four, two to four is a go. Perfect. Sorry about that. Oh no, it's fine. Um, all right, I'm gonna go pick them up. And Sounds uh, good. And the, you know what the good news is, Don? Everything's by Zoom now. I have other meetings that, that I was gonna go to in person, but they're all hybrid anyway. So nice. yeah. Okay, I'll talk to you later. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.